Full House, let's get right into the Word this morning. Uh, you can look at worship, your worship guide or follow us there, or you can also go on Version and just put in our zip code, or you can put in Connect Community Church, and there's a live event, it says, and you can see all our notes right inside there if you want to follow along with us. Um, good morning. My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, and it's awesome to be with you this morning at Connect. And we've, we had a great worship experience so far, haven't we? Uh, I just love when the Holy Spirit can kind of even tweak our plans a little bit, and we have to stay open and sensitive to Him. Isn't that true? Amen. So true. Listen, a couple quick um, opening things that I want to share with you, uh, those of you who are frequent flyers or family here. Um, we have some really important people that are in the service today that I want to acknowledge and, um, and uh, just kind of make you aware of. Um, our uh, youth ministry has been blessed by two of my favorite people in the world. Um, uh, I consider them like family. I often call um, uh, Holly my sister, and I really look at her that way. But Brian and Holly Sander have led Activate Youth Ministries for several years now, uh, faithfully. And when I say faithfully, I mean like, look up Webster's Dictionary, there's their picture, faithfully. Um, for those of you um, who have... Uh, teenage uh, children. Anybody have teenage children in the house? Raise your hand. Okay, so high energy, lots of work. Um, uh, they're great and they're fun to be around. We love that. We have several in our house. Um, but but it's, it's a lot of work because it's, it's a tremendous amount of responsibility. And um, they're transitioning out of um, youth ministry. And eventually, I'm sure, once they get a little bit of a break, um, they'll transition into a, a new role of leadership because they're just leaders through and through. But um, many of you know that my son is, is uh, leading now student ministries from young adult all the way through to middle school. And, and they're uh, mentors to him. They have kind of been, you know, it's been critical in his development to have them kind of fashion and shape uh, his, his, uh, his outlook as a person and all his outlook in ministry. And I just want to give big props, and if you wouldn't mind just giving a big round of applause to Brian and Holly. Where are they? Right over here. Can you raise your hand at least? There they are. Thank you, Brian and Holly. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, sis. Um, on that note, uh, this, uh, I want to share also something else. Um, usually the last Sunday of every month, we have what we call SNL, Sunday Night Live. It's our more service. That's where kind of people who basically want more worship, you want a deeper word, you want to have kind of more prayer and, and ministry time, uh, that's where we do that. And so, uh, again, normally it's the last time. I'm going to be canceling service tonight because, uh, in a nutshell, um, what happens sometimes in ministry with leaders is we're going in the same direction, and, um, but we're not always on the same path or the same road. So when it comes to like Brian and Holly, um, they're going in the same direction, but <laughs> I'm waving at them over there. We never get to see each other. And if there was ever a day that I wanted to be able to hang out with two of my leaders, it would be today. And so I'm canceling service tonight so I can hang out with Brian and Holly, and I hope you all can uh, understand and appreciate that. So uh, no service tonight. Uh, another reason I think it would be good to do that is just we're kind of winding down the summer, and uh, I think you guys should just have some family time, and I'd like to uh, give some Dream Team some opportunity to spend some time with family, because the fall's coming, and uh, we've got a lot of things to accomplish and do, and it's going to be a uh, um, busy but uh, awesome season. Amen? Also, lastly, uh, I put this on as a reminder, so come on, Derek, don't forget it. Uh, we have these bracelets downstairs, and they say, pray first. Everybody say, pray first. Pray first. 
And I'm just going to be highlighting these every week. Uh, The last uh, message of this series that we're in right now, Teach Us to Pray, the message will be called Pray First, and so I'm going to teach you some different things about uh, how to put God first in your prayer life. But I wanted to introduce them now if you'd like to kind of just prompt yourself to begin uh, a more active prayer life, and more importantly, to kind of go to God not only more regularly, but go to God in the first place. Uh, when I was in college, uh, actually probably even before that, but it's when I really remember it. My dad taught me a lot of things, but I sometimes don't remember them until much later. <laughs> but I can remember being in college, and, um, and I, when I have a problem, I have a situation, it was just easy to call my dad and just ask him. You know, he was like, you know, he's like encyclopedia for Britannica for, for Bible questions, and, and if I had, you know, needed wisdom or something like that. And I can remember him saying to me one time, son, go to the throne before you go to the phone. And he was trying to teach me, you know, that, you know, you know where I get the answers? I get them from God. And you need to learn how to do that, too. And, and sometimes we go to ibuprofen before we go to the great physician. And, and so this whole notion, I'll talk about it more, is about how to put God first in your prayer life. And it would really influence and dramatically affect uh, your walk with God if you had a pray-first mentality. These are free, and these are in Guest Central. Get one on your way out today. Amen? All right. You guys ready to go? Let's pray first. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the worship experience we've had this far. Thank you for every person that's in the house, Lord. It's no accident that they're here. Many people coming from different backgrounds, walks of life, different challenges, different phases and different things that are going on. God, um, some people have been Christians a long time. Some people are in kind of, I call it a pre-believer state. They're seeking, they're learning, they're looking. And, and some are new believers and they're excited, but they don't know what's up. I just pray you take all this information and may it apply to every single person, wherever they're at in their walk with God, and help us to fire up our faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I'll open with a question, okay? Here's the question. Um, have you ever been, you know, have you, has, has, has there ever been something someone else had that you wanted? Raise your hands. Anybody? All right? You know, and normally there's this materialistic, uh, you know, uh, picture that comes to mind, you know, somebody's house and, and somebody's, you know, you know, girl's handbag or something like that. I didn't even know what to say because it's so unfamiliar to say. I didn't know purse. I don't know. just couldn't get it out. Um, I, I know my, I have a, one of my best friends. Uh, he, he lives in Alabama, Corey Hardesty. We talk quite a, quite a bit, and um, he's, he works for the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, and we talk all the time. But one of the times, just recently, he sent me a text, a picture, and, and on the picture, it was, a, it was a Corvette. It was like a 2014, it was the backside of a Corvette, and this thing was nasty. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was mint. And some, you know, never mind, I won't say what I was going to say. Um, sometimes people are like, nasty. Uh, it's like wicked. It's good, okay? And so he sends me this picture, and it basically says, uh, I'm not coveting this. I just really, really, really appreciate how fully blessed this person is. <laughs> you coveting it. <laughs> Corey, you coveting it. And, and anyway, many of us have seen something somebody else has and, they, and we want it. But I'm not talking about so much the, the surface or circumstantial or the, or the temporal, as much as I'm talking about the eternal, the, 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 the relational side of things. Have you ever watched somebody or listened to somebody pray, and when they prayed, you thought, my God, my God. You know, they're like talking... They got a direct line, like the old, I think of the old like Batman, you know, Wowie Kazowie, Bam Shazam, all that stuff. And, but there was that red, red phone that went to the commissioner's office. 
Anybody, you dang yourself if you raise your hand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And there was just that hotline to the commissioner's office. You're like, this person, when they pray, they've got that red phone, and it's like it's going right to God. Listen to that. I want that. You know, when he or she talk about their relationship with God, as they're talking, I, I, everything in me, I want that. Or maybe you've been in church, and, you, and you're looking at somebody, and, and, and there's, there's, there's these definitely these polarities, but sometimes you look at somebody as they're worshiping, and you can, you can just see, like, a relationship. You see somebody who's genuinely in love with God, and, and it's real, and it's authentic, and, and it's, 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 like, tr it's transformative, and it's attractional, and, and you want that. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody felt that way at one time or another? Yeah. That's kind of what I'm talking about kind of as we go forward. At the end of the day, you wish you really had that. And the good news is, uh, for any of you that are out there who's felt this way before, you're not alone. The disciples felt this way too. Believe it or not, the people who traveled around with Jesus and walked and talked with Jesus all the time, they felt just like that. Interestingly enough, the context of the guys that hung around with Jesus, his posse, they were raised in the church. They went to temple all the time. Temple, church, same kind of thing when you see that in the Bible. Um, they, they, were, they had religious training. They, they prayed all the time. They had all these recitations that they had memorized. In many cases, it's safe to say, though we can't see it explicitly in Scripture, but we know it from Jewish tradition, that young people were raised to memorize the law. So they usually they had to know the five books of the law by heart. So that's the five first books of the Bible, knew it all by heart. That's, that's like Leviticus, too. Like all the skin diseases and all that stuff. It's all, they had to memorize all that. Okay? So they had a lot of religious training. They had a lot of Sunday school, as it were. But yet these same guys, um, they, they saw something different. That's what this message is kind of about, is the difference. They grew up praying, saying prayers. Spiritual matters were a serious part of their life. It was a part of their heritage, part of their culture. But in Luke 11, oh, man, I'm sore. Um, we just did a Tough Mudder, 18 of us, yesterday. And all the tough mudders, hoorah! There's like two of you. Okay. Or the other group can't speak. <laughs> Pray for them. I got to give props to, to my wife and to Sherry. Who else is in here, tough mudders? Where are you? In the back there. You guys killed it yesterday. We had 18 people go up to Maine and, and do this just under 11-mile obstacle course. And so if I bend over again and don't get up, you know what that's all about. All right. Sidebar. Um, but Luke 11, 1, uh, this is what it says. One day, he was praying. Jesus was praying in a certain place. Uh, when he finished, one of his disciples said, Master, teach us to pray. Everybody say, teach us to pray. Yeah. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. They saw something, basically, as they were observing Jesus, that they didn't have, that they had not experienced at that point. They probably saw more than likely, they probably heard some things that they hadn't heard before. It was different than what they had known or what they had seen, and it probably was powerful. It probably was passionate. It probably was uh, exciting. At the very least, it was certainly intriguing, and in spite of the fact that they had all this religious training, they were saying, Jesus, we obviously don't know what we need to know. Would you teach us? Would you teach us? And so, interestingly enough, uh, there was a study done with 250,000 Christians and in this particular study, this is the short and skinny of it, 83% of those 250,000 Christians surveyed 
They wanted their churches to teach them how to connect, have a real and revelational prayer life, and connect and, and get in real relationship with God. They struggled in relationship, their relationship with God, and they wanted that desperately. And they wanted the churches to teach them to do that. So you know what? That was a no-brainer. That's what we're going to do. Because it's true. Most people have a hard time making that connection. And in spite of the fact that we might have been in church our whole life, maybe we have like perfect attendance. Maybe, you know, we, we went to religious school, had religious training. We, we were confirmed. We went to CCD. We did all these different things. Many of us, like the disciples, don't, don't see something different when we're referring to the scriptures and we see what, what Jesus said. Many of us see something different in other people. And though it may be rare, it's something that's real and we want it. That's the goal of this particular series. In fact, um, very soon we're going to go, uh, starting next, not next Sunday, but a, a, week, from, uh, a week from tomorrow, we're going to start a 21-day kind of prayer journey. Now you say, oh my gosh, do I have to? No, you don't have to, all right? Uh, I think you're going to want to based on uh, what you hear over the next couple of weeks. Uh, as, as a church, uh, a lot of times, kind of as a part of our structure, we encourage seasons of prayer. For fact, in fact, the first of the year, we like to give the first part of our year to God. And if you're new here, we do a 21-day prayer and fasting season. Now, in that season, we pray and we fast. In other words, we kind of um, undernourish our body while we, while we overnourish our spirit. And it kind of creates an extreme focus, and it elevates our spiritual senses so that we have an acute sense of hearing of the things of God. We have a greater commitment to the things of God, a more likely commitment to the will and plan of God. So that's what, we're gonna, that's what we do in the new year. But we're not going to go into prayer and fasting. We're just going to have a lot of prayer and feasting in the next 21 days. That's funny. I don't care what you say. Um, so I'm not saying anybody can't eat. I'm just saying let's pray. And this is what we're going to do. It's going to be very simple. It may not seem simple to you. Maybe to others it may seem oversimple. But we're going to have the first 15 of every day we're going to pray. And I'm going to teach you next week how to dedicate the first 15 minutes of your day for 21 days to pray. How many think you could do that? Could join me in that, in that quest? First 15 for 21 days starting a week from tomorrow, and then we'll just learn more and more how to pray first in every part of our day. Amen? Now, I brought some props with me to help me this morning with the particular point. I brought a, I brought a mirror, which I can't turn the way I want to because it would reflect light and burn your eyes out, uh, and then I also have a cross up here uh, to just kind of make kind of two different points. Every single day, we all get up and we go to the mirror. If you don't, you probably should. Okay? Now, when we go to the mirror, this mirror, for all intents and purposes, when you look at the mirror and when you look at the cross, they represent two things. This represents self-reliance, and this represents God-reliance. Okay? Now, every single day, we get up, and, and of course, we, we, you know, we make sure, do the butt, ch the booty check, and we do the bee's nest check to make sure our hair's okay, and our jeans are okay, and all that kind of stuff. But once that's all done, that's all the surface stuff. But basically, this is, this is, this is the place of of self-reliance. This is the place of, I've got everything under control. I start my life, I run my life kind of through this mirror. I look at me for answers. I look at me for, 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 for knowledge and for decisions and for wisdom, and I rely on me. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 3, 3 through 5, trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, whoop, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your steps. He'll direct your path. So there's this tendency for us to always go here every single day. 
But what I want and hope at the end of this message is that we develop a new tendency and a new default to go over here every single day. We realize, like John 15, 5 says, apart from me, Jesus, and interesting he says me because he's always trying to personalize relationship. He's never trying to formalize relationship. He says, apart from me, you need to realize you can't do it. You can do nothing. And so I don't, I don't always think that. And, but the more my relationship is strengthened and it's relevant and it's real, the more I, the more I realize that I can't do it all, that's, the, and that's when, I, when I, and I get this revelation over here. The more that I see God's intervention, interaction, and involvement in my life, it's over here in God reliance. Is anybody catching or capturing what I'm saying? Some of this stuff is going to be caught, not necessarily taught, I hope, at least. And so, but I think it's safe to say that every one of us find it very easy to go from self-reliance to God-reliance, and it's always instigated by a need or a crisis. The, the default for many of us as Christ followers when we have a problem and we face a certain circumstance that opposes us, especially if it looks like a tsunami in our life, is to go right over here. Oh, God, I need you. Oh, God, save me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. We default to that very easy as a result of a need or a crisis. Right? Isn't that true if we're honest? It's kind of automatic. And we see it when we get bad news. We see it when we get, you know... Uh, a health crisis. Let me just tell you something. In January 2013, I'm, I'm being personal, but I told my church this a long time ago, so I might as well not hide it anymore, but I, 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 a doctor told me you had a cancerous tumor in your stomach. Let me just tell you something. My prayer life was active. There was no problem going over here to God Reliance because I, didn't, I couldn't handle it over there. I didn't know what I was going to do. Wait a second. Over here, I was managing my health, and I was doing all these things myself. I was my own doctor. But over here, when I had cancer in my stomach, he was the great physician. Right? So I'm not saying it's bad to go to God when you have a need or a crisis. I'm just saying that's our default. But what ends up happening as a result of that default is we don't have a relationship a prayer life that's based on relationship, we have a prayer life that's based on rescue. And that's not what God wants. He doesn't want a relationship on rescue and crisis and need. And I think some of us, and I don't know about you, but I was evaluating my own prayer life and just, I want you to know something. I have to grow in this just as much as you. Everybody has certain bents and certain strengths. I love to study God's word. I, I, I believe by, I was gifted by God. Not, this is, would be false humility to say something else, to teach his word. But when it comes to prayer life, there's sometimes, well, that's a weak spot for me. I have to keep on working at it. Sometimes you might say, hey, we're going on a corporate fast. You know why? Because I need it as your leader. So, so I want you to know, stuff that I'm teaching you, I need it just as much as you do. This is something we all need to be, grow in. I think many of us, and, when, and I, was, I was thinking about this, we look at God like a holy mechanic. I, 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 I have a mechanic. I don't know if he's in, in the house right now, Marcelo. And when I have a problem with my car, and I have a lot of cars because I have a lot of kids. <laughs> Come on, somebody pray for me right now. <laughs> Resource him, Lord. Help him. Uh, <clears throat> and so whenever I'm calling up my mechanic, I'm a relational person. So I want to go, hey, Marcella, what's going on, man? So good to hear your voice. You know, how's the wife? How's things? How's business? How's things going? But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I got to get to my problem. And I'm like, kind of need to hurry up. And I can't imagine what it must be like for the mechanic on the other side. Like every time somebody calls, they don't care about me. All they care about is their problem. 
I know, I know there's another point to that. They're making money right now. But sometimes we look at God like that. Like he's a holy mechanic. I go to him when I got problems, but I don't have relationship with him outside of my issues, outside of my crisis, outside of my need. And I think we just go to God sometimes in our troubles. And it's okay to go to God in your troubles, but it just can't be the only reason we go to God. Because there's something missing if that's the only reason we go to God. Let me point out some things that are missing. Look in your notes. Relationship is difficult. Something's missing when I feel ashamed. Everybody say ashamed. In other words, it's hard to go there when you're hiding over here. You can't, you can't actually have an authentic, real relationship if there's not a vulnerability, there's not a be real, there's not a come out from behind the fig leaf, if it's not actually get out from our shame. Another reason sometimes relationships are difficult is I feel obligated. Sometimes people don't have an active prayer life because prayer is a got to, not a want to. Anybody, anybody tracking with what I'm saying out there? Prayer is just a got to. We got to pray, we got to pray. You know, I used to, you know, you know how this, you know where this manifests a lot of times? It manifests in our, um, in our prayers, you know, in, in every day, like let's say over our meals in, in the household. Now, I don't want to survey everybody in the church on this, but, but uh, as Christians, we ought to give thanks many, many times throughout the day. A good time to give thanks is before you break bread, before you, before you eat. Many Christians don't do this anymore, and just as a sidebar, it's a tremendous opportunity to testify to God before God and before man that, you, that God is first in your life by praying, not just in private, not just in your home or in your kitchen table, but when you're out to eat. And it's amazing to me how many people are ashamed of God to do that. And I just think it's a shame. It's a shame. And the thing about it is if you're ashamed of me, the Bible says, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. So you have a petition and a request that you're trying to bring before God, and you've got a crisis or your need, and you can't even give thanks to God for a meal in a restaurant. Say, I love how it hurts, Pastor. <laughs> Maybe you don't. But anyway, just think about that. But the point I was going to make was when we pray a lot of times, there, because of the got-to prayers, this is what ends up happening. I was, I was raised. We pray before we, we eat. My, my wife has a, a, a thing we do every single time when we finish praying. We say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're just trying to say God's first from the book of Joshua. I, and I love that, all right? But what can happen is over time, over time, it's like, yeah, we got to pray. I want to eat. Yeah, we got to pray. I want to eat. Yeah, we got to pray. And it becomes this got-to thing. It becomes religious, liturgical, formal, formalism. And it can sometimes push the relational out, and, 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 and it, can, it brings all the religious in. Does that make sense? All right, so I feel obligated. Another one is I don't know what to say. This is what many people say. Many, um, maybe, that, that, maybe that's what's, that was what was missing, and the disciples heard. They were listening to Jesus' words, and they were saying, wait a second, wait a second, I don't pray like that. He, he's, he's not praying in King James. I thought Jesus, I thought, I thought it, you had to pray in King James. Whithersoever, whatsoever thou goest, therefore, hitherto. I thought you had to do that to talk to God doesn't talk in King James. Does anybody know that out there? Okay, he talks in just plain English, okay? All right, I didn't know what to say. Another reason could be I don't think he's listening. Anyone ever felt that way before? Like, I'm praying, but I'm not sure he's listening. I think of the movie Bruce Almighty. You know, he's, he's up there talking, screaming at God. You know, and he just gets, me smite me, almighty smiter, you know? He's finally just, <laughs> he's upset because, like, are you there? Like, I dare you. So some people don't get that demonstrative, but inside they're frustrated because they're not sure he's listening. Another thing is I don't want to bother him. 
This is one that, that I feel sometimes. I go here a lot. In other words, I know my problems are small relative to other people's situations. When you sit kind of front row, front seat with certain people in their lives, you, you, you kind of contrast that with your own. You're like, why do I even bother to bring up my requests? Why would I even go there? I'm so blessed. In America, contrast with the rest of the world, it's like, why would I pray? I mean, I need to pray for them. I don't, God's got plenty going on for, before, before I would even bring any of these kind of things up. I know my problems are small. Another thing, and I think this is a big one, write this down, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. And, and this comes in a lot of times when it refers to the will of God. I don't, people get nervous that, that if I pray to God, he's going to tell me to do something that's contrary to what I want to do. He's going to send me, you know, to Africa, and I'm going to live in a mud hut and be bit by mosquitoes the rest of my life. And, 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 and honestly, for, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, don't, I just don't trust that his agenda is the best agenda for me. For many years, I was afraid of God's will because I thought it would be extremely difficult and extremely miserable. I actually got to the point, not necessarily that, that I would verbalize it this way, but it, could, it was clear in my practices and in my beliefs, I actually thought there was a direct correlation between misery, difficulty, and maturity. That the most mature people did God's will, suffered. Suffering. Now, there's a place for suffering for Christ. Don't get me wrong. But God wants us to be prosperous to, to, to in, our, in our soul, to be an overcomer, to be, to be blessed, to be a blessing, right? So, so th but this was the notion that I had. And as a result, I didn't want to pray because I don't trust that what he's going to tell me to do is going to be better for me. I heard one leader say that God's perfect will for your life is, is exactly what you would choose if you could see the future. Did you catch that? God's perfect will for your life is exactly what you would choose if you could see the future. But the thing is, you can't see the future. I can't see the future, but God can. And the way that he wants to show you that and, and unpack that for you is in relationship. Because if he just gave you the end result, if he just showed you the whole puzzle and said, here's the puzzle, done, life wouldn't be so fun and there'd be no relationship in the process. You wouldn't have the character to carry it out anyway. Just note that this is some really good preaching. It's about, ah, it's a lot better than what I'm hearing out there, Lord. So I really appreciate some backup from you on this. I don't get an answer. Here's another one. I don't get an answer. It falls on deaf ears. It falls on deaf ears. My first revelation about what's missing for me in my prayer life came when I was a young man. And I can remember two, I'll give you two examples. One was... And I don't remember this. I wish I had time to talk to my, my mom and dad about this. But I was like a, a pre-teen, like a tween or whatever you want to call it. And my parents took me to this particular neighborhood. And there were these adults that were hosting this particular, like, event for, for young people. Like middle school kind of age kids. And it was kind of like a, it was like a small group. And I can remember going there, and my parents dropping me off in this particular neighborhood, and I think it was in Framingham, and they dropped me off in this particular neighborhood, and I can hear the music kind of boom, 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 you know, and all, I can hear a bunch of rustle and, 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 and hustle in this particular house. And I remember being scared to death because I don't know if I know anybody. They think I know somebody, and they're saying, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Now, I'm, I'm a young, like, act like I'm cool on the outside, but inside I'm scared to death, insecure, you know, tween. And so they say, go, and then they drive away, and and. and and, and I'm just praying to God, you know, there'll be nice people in there. And so I remember getting in the house and, and walking in and nobody's talking to me at first and everybody's eating Doritos and, you know, and Ruffles potato chips and sucking down Coke like it's water. And, 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 
And then I don't remember all the pain in between, but I remember getting to the, the meeting part. And we go to the back of this house in this big open room. I remember dim lights and a hard floor, but it didn't matter. And everybody's on all these chairs. And this guy gets up and he starts talking about, hey, we're going to have like a prayer, prayer meeting. It was like it had a name like for the group. And I can't remember the name of the group. And he gives kind of an outline of how prayer is going to go. And my, in my mind, this was my prayer like mentality. This is what I thought prayer was like. When somebody prays, this is, this is how you respond. Like you might respond like somebody prays, they say something to God, and you go, mmm, mmm. That, that was my skill set at this particular point in my journey of faith. Somebody says something powerful, something, you know, whatever, pious. You just, mmm. Now, if I was really, really fired up, and somebody said something, I might go, amen. But then at, at a, as a tween, I'd look around like, is that okay? You know? I'd be like scared to death, like somebody was going to you know, see me do that, and, or that was really dumb, and so I'd be real kind of careful about it. So he, he outlines the prayer, and I think that's, we're going to have a prayer meeting, and people are going to go, mm, and amen, and that's how it's going to go, right? So that's my idea how the prayer meeting is going to go. And as soon as he does his whole outline, he says, all right, uh, we're going to start praying, and then they turn on some music, and all these teens get up and spread all out all over the room. And they start praying. Now listen. Out loud. <laughs> now I can't hear everything they're saying, but all these like 10, 12, 13, 14-year-olds are, there. I mean, they're, they're talking to God. And long story short, I remember leaving that night thinking, I'm a little freaked out. Because I just thought you go, mm, and amen. And that's not what it was. I was a little freaked out, but I was also incredibly intrigued. Here's another example. Now, this particular example happened over and over again, but I'm going to tell you about one occasion. My dad's prayer life. Now, my, my dad was in ministry at, at an early age. He's a converted atheist, okay? So we came from a very unorthodox religious environment. He needed Jesus just, like, to make it in life, not to need Jesus just to be able to teach people stuff. He needed Jesus to overcome. So the approach... And his spiritual life affected, affects this entire ministry and my approach and my relationship with God and even how I teach you guys now. But I can remember him praying downstairs. So my mom would go and have her devotions upstairs, and my dad would go downstairs and have his time with God downstairs. She went into the guest room, and he went into this office that he built, and it was the worst constructed office known to man. He built it himself because he's not a construction guy. So there's this horrible paneling and carpet on a cement floor and a desk that was like from the 1940s stolen from a classroom somewhere. It was awful. It was just awful. A chair that was wicked, wicked old. And, but that's where he would go to pray. My mom would go upstairs and she would read her Bible and do like uh, index card memory verses and spend tons, hour a day. As long as I've been alive, I guarantee she still does it today at hour a day. And what a great heritage. Is that not a great heritage, by the way? So and I, I'm so thankful for my mom doing that. Sometimes my mom, though, would be yelling at us before she went in to pray. And then she'd come out and start yelling at us again. And I used to think, I don't know who you're talking to in there, but it can't be God because things are still bad after. But anyway, that's just a sidebar. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. She's here. But my dad would be downstairs praying, and I could hear him talking to God through the floor. And, and, and when he was talking, it was so impactful because he's having a conversation. And sometimes he's yelling. And sometimes he's crying and wailing. God, please, I'm, I'm asking you. I'm petitioning you. Help me with the situation. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I don't know how I'm going to do that. And all these conversations are taking place. And sometimes there's these quiet times. And you're just like, he's still in there. But there's no noise. <laughs> I mean, it was just like. 
but I know something's happening, you know? Anyway, one particular time, this is just go to show you. This, this, this is what can happen with anybody. You can be around the things of God and become incredibly familiar. Familiarity can breed contempt for something. So I was so familiar with this, mom having devotions, memorizing the word, hiding the word of God in your heart, dad talking to God like live, you know, real time, listening to that. I'm downstairs in the den watching TV while he's in talking and praying with God. And literally the wall is like, the only thing that separates us is this thin wall that, that he built, which was really bad construction. <laughs> Just sidebar. And so I'm watching like Zoom or something. I'm Zoom, 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 Zoom. Come on, give me a smile. Anyway. Dating myself. So I'm listening to Zoom, and then all of a sudden, the door opens to the den, and my dad comes out. And he goes, Derek, Derek. I go, what? He goes, come here, come here, come here. And I go, what? He goes, he's in there. <laughs> and I said, who? <laughs> he said, him. I said, who's upstairs? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's in there. Come on in. Why don't you come on in? No. <laughs> and I didn't say that one. I was, but I reluctantly said, okay. <laughs> and so I went in there and he says, come on, come on, come on, come on. And he shuts the door. Pitch black. Ah! You know, that's what I wanted to do. You know what I wanted to do. And he goes, just get down on your knees. Just get down. I go, okay, okay, okay. And I get down on my knees and, and, and he's just, can you, can you sense him? Can you feel him? And I'm like, Yeah. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm scared, but honestly, I can feel and sense the presence of God. And I'm so scared, and it's totally awkward. And you know why? In fact, as soon as I possibly could, I was like, I don't know if I, Dad, if I said this out loud, but I know I, I know I wanted to. I said, Dad, I got to get out of here. And I couldn't stay the whole time. And I got up and I walked out. And I remember leaving. And, and, and I just had to get out. I just felt so uncomfortable. Because I lived over here in self-reliance so long, I, I didn't know what it was like to be here at the foot of the cross. I didn't know what it was like to be in the presence of Jesus. It, it, was, it was like two people having, on a picnic bench, a, a married couple having intimate moments. And, and they're and just loving on each other. And it was as if I was sitting right next to them. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He told me to sit here. <laughs> I'll get up as soon as he lets me go. It was, you know what I mean? It was like awkward. You get that? So I had to have my own relationship with him to be in that place. Does that make sense? But because I lived in need in crisis mode, because, I, because that was my default, because I'd been in self-reliance for so long, it was hard for me to go to that place. And so whether it was a small group or, or my dad's prayer life, I was freaked out by it, but I wanted it. I wanted it. And I've experienced it since. And I realized that day there was something missing in my life, and it was relationship with God that was the difference. It's a huge difference. And I eventually got some teaching on this to help me figure out what it was all about. Now, you know any relationship, great relationships don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose. They require intentionality. They require investment, time, effort, energy. Yet when it comes to thing of, things of God, we think, he should just be there all the time whenever I need him. Commissioner's office, pick up. And then we're mad when it feels like he doesn't. But yet every other relationship, we know it can't work like that. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes we want what an athlete has. Sometimes we want to be able to do what somebody else can do, but we won't do the things they did to get what they had. And I think many of us certainly convey by their life that we think, again, God should just be like on the end of the line. So that's why the disciples said, teach us to pray. I remember early in my ministry, 
as a pastor, I started to acquire some um, pastoral friends. <laughs> I needed some. But what was interesting to me that every one of my pastoral friends, it seemed like it was like part of the resume, played golf. Like, is that like, you know, five-fold minister and then parentheses play golf? Ephesians 4.12c. Okay? No. So anyway, I realized I, I don't know how to play golf. So I talked to my father-in-law, Farrell, and he's a scratch golfer. He's 78 years old. He still golfs regularly. I recently had a, a shoulder injury. The greatest injury he has right now is emotional because he can't play golf. And one day I asked him to go to teach me how to play golf. So he let me ball some of his golf clubs. And in particular, I can remember his driver he gave me. And literally the end of the driver was like this big. It's like, you know, hey, bam, bam. If you can't hit the ball, you're an idiot. And so we went and we went golfing. And um, he gives me some instructions, and I line up. And at the time, like, I literally looked like a baseball player. You know what I mean? I was like, I was like lined up like this, like, here we go. <laughs> That's not how you line up for golf, in case you ladies don't know what's going on. So, uh, so anyway, I get, sorry about that. Some of you ladies golf, my bad. So I get up to line up, and I notice that Farrell is off to the right in, in the background. I'm looking over, like, is that what you do at golf? You kind of get back, you know, and he's out of the way. And so, sure, it made sense later. So I hit the ball, and it slices to the right, hits the tree or something, because I heard a very loud noise. And, and then I lost it. And I'm looking, I'm looking, and all of a sudden, I turn around, and Farrell's walking back into the woods. <clears throat> Farrell, what are you doing? He said, I'm getting your ball. I said, no, my ball's up here, man. That's, that's not funny. He goes, is this your ball? And he pulls it out. And I had like a 30-yard negative drive. <laughs> Great way to start the golf game. So uh, then I was really frustrated. Then we go to, hit a, 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 go to another hole, <clears throat> probably the third or fourth hole. And now I'm nervous. I'm getting mad. And the matter you get, just anyway, it just gets really bad. And so I, I go to hit the ball. I miss the ball completely. And I'm so mad that the frustration hits before I finish the swing. And my club goes out into the fairway. A good 40 yards, I might add. So it was not bad for just a throw. <laughs> At this point, my father-in-law says to me, am I in danger? <laughs> and so I, anyway... All this time that this is happening, it was just horrible, and I just couldn't stand it. All this time, I began, as this was going on, to despise the sport, all right? I thought it's ridiculous, and it's really ridiculous because I wasn't good at it, and I was trying to enjoy something, in essence, that I was never trained to do. Does anybody see where I'm going? I think some of us, maybe you don't feel that strongly, but we, we, we sometimes don't enjoy something so critical Perhaps, it may not be that we despise it, but we don't enjoy something so critical because we know so little about it. It's so common. So it's all about relationship. Let me show you, give you get a few points on what the difference is. Real prayer, relationship, it always is going to trump trial. It's always going to trump need or crisis. It's always going to be better and more important than that. It's always Jesus Christ's agenda over Derek Fry's agenda. And so people flock to God in trial. We know that. They flock to God when there's an issue. Boston bombings, 9-11, your own personal trials and, and tragedies in your own particular life. Tragedy will always drive us to the cross. That's a default. That's easy. But it's about relationship. I was reading in the one-year Bible in Psalm 27. David is having a conversation with God. Or God starts by having a conversation with David. And basically he says to him, come. God says to David, come and talk with me. 
And David's all distracted by all these other things. And then finally he says, Lord, I'm coming. That's what God is interested in, is relationship with you. That's the heart of prayer, is relationship. It's not crisis or need. So where do I start? How do I have a relational prayer life? What does it look like if I really connect with God? Number one, worship. It starts with worship. Everybody say worship. worship. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting something out of this. Are you? <laughs> this is what Jesus was talking about, okay? This is what he said. After he said, after he answered the, the, the whole, he said, I want you to say this. They said, teach us to pray. He says, okay, I want you to say this. Now, it was less about the recitation. The, the Lord's Prayer is not something we're supposed to recite over and over again. The Lord's Prayer is an outline that gives us principles to guide us in our relationship and dialogue with God. And I'm going to show you that even as we go forward in coming weeks. But the first thing he says in Matthew 6, which is a parallel text for this, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Everybody say hallowed. It's a, weird, it's a weird word. I know we don't really use it that much, but it basically means to lift something up, to elevate something, to adore, in this case, the name of Jesus. To put the name of Jesus above other things that are going on. Your agenda, your plans, your circumstances, your screaming needs. It's turn the volume down on that and turn the volume up on worship for God. And, and, and when you receive or don't receive during sometimes times of worship. Let me say something about corporate worship. Worship is individual and worship can be corporate. So what I'm talking about right now can be all by yourself, which is what I want to emphasize. But what you just did a few minutes ago as a group was corporate worship. Our goal, and I, I think I was saying this when we had that word from our sister Tara, um, our goal is to have a God encounter, okay? In fact, intercessors were praying so you could have a God encounter, but, and which is powerful, and that helps and assists tremendously, not to be minimized. However, what we experience corporately together in terms of a God encounter is proportionate to what we practice individually in our worship of God alone. Does that make sense to everybody out there? I, I can prove it to you. For those of you, has anybody, just raise your hand, have you ever been on a fast before of any time? Okay, so a lot of you. Not everybody, and that's okay. Don't feel bad. You'll get an opportunity really soon. Um, but if you've ever been on a fast, when we go on a corporate fast, I, I, you've experienced this where you come to church at the end of a season of fasting, and it feels electric at another level. Like the worship, the environment, everything is just, it's just peaked. You're, 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 you have an acute sensitivity, you're a tender warrior, you're ready to take on the devil, you're ready to weep over the needs of a nation or even somebody you don't even know. All of that is because of something that you have been practicing privately and then you come together corporately. Does that make sense? So, so worship is a big part of your daily devotion, but it affects more than just you. So anyway, let me give you an illustration. My, my daughter came to me years ago with a request. I'm speaking of my daughter Mallory. She, she, lives, she lives down south right now. And this was her initial request. This is a short version of a story I've told before. She says, hey dad, um, can we get a dog? And my first and, and quick and easy response was, no, we can't. I have four kids to take care of and I don't need another one. And so um, and I had laced, the, you know, the, the, the environment and, and their lives with we're never getting a dog, we're never getting a dog, we're never getting a dog because it came up at different times. But Mallory was kind of the spokesperson. She says, we want a dog, though. I said, no, we're not going to have a dog. Shortly thereafter, Mallory comes with a different approach. Everybody say approach. 
It's so important approach. And she comes to me, and my daughter Mallory is my least demonstrative girl, meaning she's not as touchy-feely. When she's touchy-feely, I'm suspicious. <laughs> so she comes, and, and this is the secret sauce for dad. She comes, she sits on my lap, and she follows her mom's instructions, and she puts her head, not in that moment, but just her, her pattern, and she puts her hand on the back of my head and starts running, rubbing my head because I never have any hair, and it's like genie of the lamp. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want my wishes. I want my wishes. <laughs> keep rubbing. Keep rubbing. So she's rubbing, and she's saying, Daddy, have I told you how much I love you lately? And you're the handsomest, biggest, strongest. There's no peanut butter jar you can't open on the planet. Uh, you're just awesome. And she keeps rubbing, 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 rubbing. And then in the middle of that, she says, now, before you answer this question, I just want to, because I'm thinking, what do you want? She knows. She says, before you answer this question, just hear it all the way out, okay? We've talked again about this whole thing about the dog. And we're willing, <clears throat> you know, to, to, to bathe it, to feed it, to walk it. I mean, we'll take it every, care of everything. And all you need to do is write one big fat check one time, and, and we'll take care of everything else. Would it be okay? Rubbing the lamp, rubbing the lamp, rubbing the lamp. Handsome, you're so handsome, you're so strong. Would it be okay if we buy a dog? And then she says, don't answer right now. Just think it over. And she walks away. <clears throat> so she walks away. And, I, and while, while, while she's walking away, I'm, in my, I'm starting to soften up already. I'm embarrassed to say I'm starting to soften up because of her approach. In fact, over the next couple of days, I started doing some research on dogs, and I found this particular place where you could buy a dog, and I end up giving in and buying the freaking dog. You getting where I'm going with this, everybody? So, Pastor, what are you saying? We can or should manipulate dogs, you know, like uh, people and, and God? With, is that what we... No, we don't manipulate God like that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying there's a difference in attitude. There's a difference in atmosphere when we worship God, when we show him that we love him. God knows your thoughts. God knows the motives of your heart. But God wants to hear them. It's nice to hear, I know my kids love me, I don't know all their thoughts, sometimes I think I do, uh, but it's nice to hear them say, I love you. It's nice to hear them say nice things about me. It's, it, and that's what God needs to hear sometimes first before you present all your petitions and all your requests. In John 4, 23, it says, yet a time is coming and now is when the true, not manipulators, by the way, worshipers worship the Father in spirit and truth. Look at this, it says, they are the kind, see, there's a kind of worshiper that the Father seeks. He's seeking, he's seeking kids that love on him, that adore him. And we do that corporately, and we do that individually. He's looking for people who hallow his name and say, I love you. And they tell him, they tell him why. Here's a quote for you. Worship establishes where I am and where he is in the relationship. Here's my next point. Fully surrender. Everybody say surrender. Surrender. Most people don't go here. Sometimes, if honest, I don't, and I don't want to. I say I can't, but really it is I won't go here. Because I want to go to the mirror over here, and I surrender means I have to let go of control. Me at the wheel. And it's saying, God, I give you the wheel of my life. Like, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to follow your ways, your thoughts. I'm gonna, they're going to supersede mine and my ways. Jesus had to do this. What's interesting is that Jesus did this in Gethsemane where he went and surrendered his will before he did it on Calvary physically. There was actually a death to Jesus' will 
in Gethsemane. Anybody know what Gethsemane is? That's where, that's the Mount of Olives where he went to pray before he was crucified. And he has a conversation with God. And he says, hey, if, if there's any other way we can not have that, I'll take it. I'll take it. God, is there? And then at the end of that, he says, yet, not as I will, but as you will. I surrender. Most people won't go there. Most people won't go to that place of surrender and lay it down. And that's part of the conversation and part of the relational peace with God. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, For the joy that was set before him. In other words, he saw something down the line because he was aware that God's future plan was better for him. For the joy set before him, he endured that cross, scorning its shame. He hung on and he did what he was supposed to do. And Jesus' statement was the exact same principle you see in the Lord's Prayer. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's basically saying this is about surrender. He put himself in that place you know, Gethsemane, uh, the Mount of Olives, all, that means the, it, the olive, by the way, to get the olive oil out of an olive requires tremendous pressure. The, Gethsemane was known as the place of pressure. And so there's, all the, there's a lot of pressure and stress sometimes to surrender to the will of God, isn't there? It's not easy sometimes. But the oil that comes out underneath that pressure when we surrender is pure and, and powerful and helpful and useful. And the same thing comes out of us when we surrender our life and our will to the plan of God. It's in that pressure where we surrender, we release, and we let that, we let that, we turn that over to God where some of the best things come out of our life. In the heat of the moment, though, we default to what we've done in the past. This is something we have to practice surrender so that we can actually at some point fully obey. What precedes obedience is surrender. So sometimes we're wondering, why do I keep doing the stupid things that I do? Why do I not do what I know to do? Like Paul, Rome, Paul says in Romans chapter 7, I know what to do, but I don't do it. Because we haven't practiced surrender in our relationship with God, in our devotion with God, in our prayer life with God. Does that make sense? So we're accustomed to surrender in a relationship, begins to change that. In Luke 23, 46, it says, Father, it's unto you I commit my spirit. So we see what he did in Gethsemane, he was able to follow through on on the cross. Because he did it here, he could do it there. And you and I have a heart, we'll, and we know obedience is the path a lot of times to blessing, but we're not going to get to the place of a blessing if we're not practicing surrender. Where do we do that? In our prayer life. We do that as a part of our prayer life. Now, I don't know about you, but some of you have kids. Anybody have kids out there? Anybody have kids going back to school pretty soon? All right? Yeah. All the moms are like, whoop, whoop, get out! Every year at this time when school gets ready to start, you all hear kind of this thing happen before that first day of school. Something like, I don't want to go back! And you go and you got to wake them up. And I can remember when the kids were young, you know, Stacey and I wake the kids up and they'd be like, I don't want to get up! Dad, Mom, why do you make us get up? You know, you got to get up. You got to make your bed. You got to make, you got to get your lunch put together. You got to put your clothes on. You got to brush your teeth. Your breath could kill someone. You got to get up. I don't want to get, why don't you make our lunches like you used to? You always used to, when you were little, you always made our lunch. You always did. You always. And they go on like that. And you got to listen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's all going on, right? You never do that anymore. This happens every year. But what if, what if this, what if? You went in and you said, kids, come on, you got to get up to school. You got to do this. You got to do that. And what if your kids said to you, dad, whatever you want, that's what I want. 
this is a big one. I'm coming to be with you, Elizabeth. No, whatever. That's anyway. You're like, let me just prepare you. That ain't gonna happen. Probably never happened. It's not easy. But surrender establishes our willingness to obey. Surrender establishes in us a willingness to obey and do the things that we need to do when we need to do them. And if we practice that, we get closer to God in the process. All right, here's another point. Number three, pray with confidence. My last two points, pray with confidence and then make it personal, not formal. That's the last two points as I begin to wrap this baby up. Pray with confidence. Sometimes we feel guilty, and we don't want to pray with confidence, and we have a hard time coming forward. So we got to worship God, put him first. we got to surrender to God's will. It's a big one, big one, big one, big one. And then we can present our needs. But when you present your needs, pray with confidence. I have a friend, and he struggled with some shame issues and some issues and some sin issues and things like that. And whenever he would pray, he'd be like, oh, God. And he'd wail, oh, God, forgive us for all the things we've done. Oh, God, oh, God. And just whine and pine the whole time. And I think I just used to listen to him and think, there's something wrong with that. Like he's not praying the way. Or, you know, if you if you want God, if you want me to have that job, just think it over. Just think it over and get back to me. You know. Oh God, I'm not feeling that well. If it's your will, you know, I'd really, you know, like to get rid of this, you know, sickness. Just think it over. Think it over. Listen, that is not biblical. That is not what God wants. Look at what he wants. Hebrews 4, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us in our weaknesses. Thank, praise God. We have, a, we have a God who understands. But we have one who has been tempted, or you could say tried, in every way. Everybody say every way. Humiliation, pain, shame, all kinds of things. Just as we are, yet he never crossed the line. He never sinned. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Everybody say with confidence. That was so weak. Say with confidence. Come on, you got to say it like you mean it. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So a lot of times we don't get what we're looking for because we're not praying boldly. We're not praying. We're not coming boldly before the throne of grace. We're not praying with confidence when we go before God. The earnest prayer, my dad likes that, that particular word. The earnest prayer, his name's Ernest, of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. James 5.16 in the New Living. So how do I pray with confidence? What does it look like? You know what it looks like? It looks like what it looked like in that prayer group with all those teens praying in the room. Pray out loud. But what? Do you want to have the results that Jesus had? Do you want to, do you want to just watch like the disciples did or not, not experience what the, what the disciples later experienced? You, there, there are sometimes things that we have to be willing to do to have some of the results that we want to have. Think about this. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone in your mind? Weird, right? If you're trying to have, a, not only that, but when you try to have a conversation with someone in your mind, you can get distracted. I can start talking to God in my mind, and then it's like, squirrel. You know what I mean? It's like, Sushi, you know, it's like I'm all over the map. So, so praying out loud puts you in a posture to be able to not be distracted. I, I notice this when I, when I get a phone call, and I see this in my kids too. When I get a phone call, I pick up the phone, and I, and I talk out loud, and I walk around. 
She's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, totally. So I focus better sometimes when I'm walking and talking. I notice that natural. I do the same thing when I pray. I talk and walk. Now, I'm not saying walking is spiritual, so don't get all hung up on that. I'm just trying to say, put yourself in a posture when you pray so that you will not be distracted. Does that make sense? This will help some people out. It's one of the most practical things I can tell you to do because before you know it, you can be all over the map. God knows your thoughts, but he wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your voice. Last point, make it personal, not formal. Matthew 6 says this, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need even before you ask. I thought if he knows what I need, why does he want to hear it? Because it's not that he doesn't, this verse is not saying, um, if he knows our needs, why do we need to ask him? Because he, he doesn't care so much about the needs. He knows that. What he cares about is interacting with you and hearing from you about them. It's about relationship. It's about connecting with God. He wants you to pray. He already knows what you need, but it's about you and him more than what, more than, it's, it's about you and, 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 and not just what you want. Are you getting that? All right, here's the summary. I'll just wrap this up. The first thing we can do to have an active prayer life is tell God you love him. The second thing you can do to tell God that you want a relationship and you want to see something that's different is you got to surrender your will. you got to make it about his agenda first. What do you want me to think about today? What are your priorities, God, that I should be living? What are the things that are not in align with the moral will of God that I need to change? And then when you pray, then you can present your needs to God. And when you do it, don't be kind of shy about it or, or weak about it. Go to God with confidence. Present those requests boldly. Pray out loud. But lastly, when you pray and you talk to God, don't, don't just use a bunch of words and think you're getting credit or scoring points or somehow you're going to be closer to God because, oh, 61 minutes. I went over today by a minute. Ding! That's not what's happening in heaven. He's saying keep it personal. Be real. Be real. Maybe just wrap up and just say, God, thank you so much that I can connect with you. Thank you for the relationship. In fact, God, I just want to stay, I want to stay in touch with you and stay connected with you all day long. Don't, don't, don't. What we have right now, can you just... Walk and talk with me throughout the day. Can we stay in constant contact? I would really like that. You guys getting this? Why don't you stand your feet and let's pray. <clears throat> would, you just, would you just close your eyes, not because it's spiritual, but just because it helps you from being distracted. And, and just honor the person to your right or to your left so they can have just a, a private moment, as if it was just you and me and we were just talking to God alone and, and, and every time I have church there's always somebody that receives something beyond what I even expected or could have anticipated and I'm so thankful for that and I'm praying for that right now that by the Holy Spirit every person that needs a touch from God would be touched by God if they haven't been already but maybe you're here today and you would say you know I've, I've been in church maybe a long time maybe even my whole life but I've been that person that <laughs> I've been that person that cries out to God in crisis alone when there's a need. I've seen, I, I'm, the one that, I'm the one that sees God as the holy mechanic. I'm the one that has the rescue relationship, not the real relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be like that anymore. I, I, I see what it's about. It makes sense. And God's talking on your heart and he's just saying, I want you. And, and, I, want you, and I, want to, I want to say what David said, I'm coming to you, Lord coming to you, Lord. If that's you and you know God's speaking to you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. He's definitely talking to me. I'm coming back to you, God. I'm coming back to you, God, all over the room. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, every person that's 
sincerely asking for that, that real relationship again with God. I pray that you touch them wherever they're at. Teach them. Teach your disciples how to pray. When they leave here today, may this not go in one ear and out the other. May they live and act on what they've heard today. Worship God. Tell them how much you love them. Surrender. Stop living in self-reliance, living God-reliance. Present your needs with boldness. And just be real and personal with God. Maybe you're here today and maybe in the past you had a relationship with God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe there was a time where you, 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 there was that connection, but it's not there now. Or maybe you've never really made that connection with God. You, you, you've only had the religious side. You might have been in church your whole life. This isn't about church attendance. This is about where you stand with God. We all have to stand before God. God at one point will, will say to some people, harsh as strong as it, as, it, as it sounds, he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because the kingdom is all about knowing God and making God known. And you're standing here today and you might have been exposed to a lot of Christianity, a lot of Bible, a lot of religion, a lot of church, a lot of TV, a lot of books. And you studied all these things diligently, but, but they all testify about God. And he wants to know you and you want to know him. And you're not absolutely certain that you know Jesus Christ personally. He's inviting you today to come to him and make him not just your savior who paid for your sins, but your Lord where you follow him and you surrender to him and you do it his way and you, you take the next steps. If that's you today and you know he's speaking to you, don't mess around. Don't worry about what somebody else is doing. I want you to raise your hand boldly and say, that's me. I need to know that. I don't want to leave here before I've done that. Good night. Good night. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, I see your hand in the back. All the way in the back, thank you. Is anybody? I'm missing anybody. I don't want to miss you. All the way in the back, thank you. God bless you. All the way in the back, I see you at the back there. God bless you. You can put your hands up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, church, we're going to pray this simple prayer. I want everybody to pray it with me. And, 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 and this is the invitation. This is the opportunity that you have. And you don't have to, when you walk out of here, you don't have to worry about whether it's settled. No, you have relationship with God. It's not based on your works and your perfect performance. It's based on his finished work and his perfect performance. And you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you walk out of today, you are saved. You're a son and daughter of God. You chose him. You used your, your strongest spiritual muscle you have and you chose Jesus Christ to make him your Lord and Savior. And that's today. You did that today. And your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life because you called the upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved in accordance with his word. If that's, if, 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 if that's you, you know he's speaking to you. I want you to pray this prayer. And those of you who pray this prayer, pray it with him as an encouragement. Say, Jesus, save me. Come into my life today. I come to you of my own free will and volition. And I choose this day to serve Jesus Christ. I recognize he's my savior. And I surrender to him as Lord. And I will not come to him only in crisis and only in need, but I will come to him in relationship, knowing that he'll meet every, my, every need I have through Christ Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, seal that prayer. That simple prayer did something in the supernatural that is unbelievable. Their spirit has been ignited. Their mind and their body and their spirit has been ignited by the Holy Spirit. It's through that confession that, and that belief that they are saved in accordance with your word in Romans 10, 9, and 10. I thank you, Jesus, for every person that is saved today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, everybody in the house, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for all the people who made that decision for Jesus Christ. Yeah!